they were tasks. Oh, there you go. They were tasks. They want to be called missions, right? Missions are, are an accumulation of lots of small tasks along the way that build up, and they've got something bigger, a, a bigger purpose, a bigger goal, a bigger point to it all. They're not just tasks. There's a whole goal. There's, a, there's an end state. And missions require countless hours of preparation, not only preparation to be physically and emotionally ready, but be prepared to have the right equipment that you need for the mission, because missions require equipment. They require skills. They require abilities to overcome obstacles along the way. Missions require other people coming alongside, joining, partnering along that mission. A deployed soldier often carries anywhere between 97 to 135 pounds with them anytime they're out on mission. That's 97 to 135 pounds of, of weight that's accumulated in their, their pack that they carry with them. It's weight that's accumulated from their weapon, their ammunition that they have to carry with them. It's weight that's accumulated from the protective armor that they wear, their helmet, and their vest to protect them from enemy fire. 60-some-odd pounds plus are often carried in a bag such as this one. Everywhere they go. Man, I feel like I can jump around right now. Everywhere they go. No matter what time of day, no matter what the mission is, they're carrying something. And soldiers know how to prepare for missions. They know how to be ready for them. Um, because in that pack, they've got to carry lots of different things. Some of those items um, include a sleeping bag so they can sleep in. Some of those items include a bar of soap and a towel so they can clean themselves because you get sweaty carrying 135 pounds in the desert. Some of those items include little mementos, uh, personal things. Maybe their kid gave them before they left home. Um, some of those things are just things that they want to carry with them. And so a good soldier knows that, that to be prepared, they must bring what is the mission requires. So if they're going to be out overnight, they need something to sleep in. If it's going to be cold, they need to bring a jacket. If it's going to be wet, they need to bring a rain jacket, and so on and so forth. And so a smart soldier knows to prepare because they want to minimize whatever kind of weight they can carry around with them, if at all possible. So a smart soldier knows if... I'm not going to need a whole bar of soap for myself. And my buddy can share my bar of soap. And that's a few ounces that maybe one of us can share the load a little bit. And if you understand uh, military procedures, whenever they go out anywhere and do anything, it's 24 hours. It's danger all the time. So there's somebody who's not sleeping all the time. And so with that in mind too, we don't need everybody to have a sleeping bag. And everybody doesn't need to have a tent. Because some people aren't sleeping right now. Um, so you kind of timeshare it. Um, and so one guy will pack some of the tent poles for the tent. And another guy will pack another two tent poles for the tent. And you're distributing that weight. So the one guy's not carrying all that weight. And it adds up over time. As, as you get smarter and smarter, and you know what you're going to be needing 
and you know how you can share that burden with other people, you start loosening your load a little bit, and you loosen their load a little bit. And by working together, you kind of figure out this way to say, well, may, maybe I can get down to 60 pounds flat instead of 60 plus. And that's going to make a big difference when you're talking about walking 30 miles in the hot desert, 100 degrees, plus humidity, plus 135 pounds on your back. That's going to make a big difference. So they think through this, and they, they plan ways that they can prepare themselves and prepare each other for the mission at hand. Because here's the key. We're better prepared for missions together. Not trying to do it solo. Not trying to be Rambo. Doing it together. Sharing the load. Sharing the weight. Figuring out what we really need and how we can carry each other's burdens. We're better prepared for missions together. And we see that through Scripture. And here's some of our texts for today. We're going to kind of sit in the, the first one there in Matthew. Um, the first gospel. It's the first book of the New Testament. Matthew 28. Um, if you want to turn your Bibles to there to follow along, you can. The other ones we'll hit on as supporting texts. And I'll actually throw those on the screen because we'll go through those kind of quickly. Um, but that Matthew te text is where we're going to kind of sit. And maybe some of you um, already know what that text is. If you've got it memorized, um, it's a pretty famous one. Jake and Elwood. The Blues Brothers is a comedy classic. I'm sure there's some colorful material throughout the film, but there's a reason it's withstood the test of time for nearly four decades now. You believe that? It came out in 1980. This movie is nearly 40 years old. And there's a reason that people still watch this movie, still talk about this movie, and still laugh at the things that happen in this movie, because there's stuff that transcends time. And there's this concept of the brothers being on mission together. So what happens is, if you're not familiar with the story, Jake gets out of jail after doing a stint in, in jail, and he meets up with his brother Elwood. And, and they go to this orphanage that they grew up in. When they had nothing, this was the only thing that they had. The only people that cared for them when nobody else cared. The only home they had when they had no home. And, and they talk to the nuns that run the orphanage, and, and they find out that the orphanage is about to go bankrupt. It owes some $5,000 in back taxes, and they can't foot the bill. Um, so the bank's going to foreclose on their property. All these kids are going to get displaced, um, possibly split up. Um, brothers and sisters maybe won't go to the same orphanage because it's a, a beds thing, and, and there's all, not always space for it. So, so it's kind of this disastrous situation. And Jake and Elle would say, we're losing our home. And these people who cared about us when nobody else cared about us are losing everything that they've worked for. And so they get this idea. We're going to... We're going to get the band back together. And what we're going to do is we're going to raise that $5,000 before the deadline, and we're going to save this orphanage. They believed wholeheartedly that together, Jake and Elwood, his brothers, and with the rest of their band, they could save this. And not only could they save it because they knew that they had each other's backs, but that this mission was divinely orchestrated. It was God-given. We're on a mission from God. And nobody can stop us. And you see some of the turmoil that they encounter. That's kind of snippets throughout the film. You see some of the turmoil that they encounter along the way. But through it all, the steady theme, they can't stop us. We're on a mission from God. doesn't matter what comes up, what happens, what transpires. We're on a mission from God. And they can't stop us from making it happen. 
because they understood something Jake and Elwood did with their brotherly connection that not only were we better prepared for missions together, but missions are just better together. It's better to do mission together than to do it by yourself. It's better to have somebody next to you that when the stuff hits the fan and you're losing hope, you've got that voice that says, we're going to get through this. And then when they start losing their mind and they're not sure what's going on anymore, they've got a voice that says, we're going to get through this. We're prepared, we know what our mission is, and we're going to complete it. Missions are better together. But there's something about the, Bruce, the, oh, excuse me, the Blues Brothers mission that's always kind of stuck with me, and even the terminology that they use that has always kind of piqued my ear every time they've said it. Um, and, and maybe it's just because I kind of like grammar. My mom was an English teacher, and since she homeschooled me, I got a lot of years of English. Um, and so they always said we're on a mission from God. God gave it to them. And, and it doesn't necessarily mean it outright, um, but you could imply that because of the term from, maybe it meant God sent them out, but he didn't go with them. Maybe it meant that this, this was a mission that God wanted done, but he wasn't interested in that mission. He wasn't invested in it. Um, it wasn't with God. A mission that is with God. Maybe something a little bit different. Uh, oops. So missions are better together. We know, um, one of the things that struck me when, I've been here since October at this church, and one of the things that struck me early on as, as I had conversations with Stephen and, and the board, and we talked about the church, and we talked about how wonderful um, all you people were, um, and the, the family atmosphere, the connections, the, the embracing um, we talked about that, and we talked about the mission statement of the church, right? And so if you've been here for a while, you probably know what the mission statement is. If you're not, if you're new and you're, you're not really familiar with it, it's on the wall right outside that door. Um, and it's pretty simple, um, but profound nonetheless. It's love people, loving people to Jesus. There's an end goal to that mission, like I talked about earlier. It's not just a task. There's a point to it. There's something we're accomplishing, there's somewhere we're going. And quite simply, the end goal of everything we do, if you see my laser pointer, relies right there on the cross. Everything we do at Wapak Nass should revolve around that, should come to culmination in the cross, should result in people finding Jesus where they're at. Because Jesus is already there, but sometimes we're too blind to see it. Like Saul. We talked about him last week. who became Paul. But love people, loving people to Jesus. It's our mission statement. It's who we are, it's what we are, and it's what we are to be doing all the time. And this brings us to our Matthew passage. The Gospel of Matthew, the 28th chapter, Jesus is talking to his disciples, and this actually concludes the end of this book, um, the Gospel of Matthew. Um, but Jesus wants to give his disciples kind of these these words of encouragement, these words to leave them with, these words to say, here's what you're to do now. Here's your next step. Here's where we go from here. Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20 says, Therefore go 
and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That last statement there, that last sentence that Jesus says, really distinguishes the difference that I was talking about between the Blues Brothers, the mission from, and the mission with. Jesus says it very clearly. Not only are you to go and do all this stuff that I told you to do, but he says, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This isn't a mission I'm sending you out on and I don't have a part of. This is a mission that I'm invested in and I'm going with you. Where you go, I will go if you're doing what I ask you to do. Jesus says it plainly. Blues Brothers were on a mission from God. And, and, and it was a noble cause, right? Because they were doing something good. Um, but they encountered a lot of rough stuff along the way that, that maybe they handled some stuff in situations that they ought not to have handled. Um, and maybe God would have handled some situations a little bit differently than they would have handled. Um, and maybe that lays evidence to the fact that God wasn't really with them in that mission. But if God is with us in our mission, as he promises to be, um, it changes a lot of the dynamics that go along in that mission. See, I'm very comfortable with this concept of mission. Um, you can see by, by what I'm wearing today um, that this idea and concept of mission, it's, it's bred into the uniform. Um, and I've been wearing this uniform now for almost 10 years, um, this particular uniform actually. Um, for almost 10 years, so um, don't worry. This was my nice uniform for a while, so I just kept it and didn't do stuff in it, and now it's kind of gotten old and ratty, but that's, that happens over time. Um, I'm very comfortable with missions, though, and this idea of missions. And some things I've learned about missions over the course of my almost 10 years in the military is a couple things. Uh, one, missions ought to be rehearsed. We ought to plan for it. And after we've made our plan and we've decided what, we did, what it is we're supposed to be doing, we need to rehearse. We need to practice. We need to try it out. We need to go back to the drawing board and say, is this going to work? We've got a plan and it sounds great. Is this going to work? Is this going to accomplish what we want it to accomplish? We're love people loving people to Jesus. Are the things we're doing bringing people to Jesus? We rehearse it. Come back to the drawing board and say, is this working? Is this effective? There's a big difference between a mission from God and a mission with God. And because of that, that with concept, we ought to come back together. Because we're not doing it by ourselves, we need to come together. Collectively to refocus, to regroup, to, to assess where we're at together, to see if our buddy is, is at this point where Jake is in the movie and he's, I, we're going to go back to jail. I, I, you're going to send me back to jail because we're going to get caught by the cops and the same whole thing is going to blow out of proportion and now, you know, I'm done for. And maybe we need to come alongside that and be aware of, of the Jakes around us and be that Elwood that says, no, no, no. We're on a mission here. But God is with us in that mission. 
Because not only, when we say with, not only is God with us, but we're talking about us being with each other in this mission. Because that's the cool thing about the body of Christ is that not only is it, is it man-to-man missions where it's you going out with God and doing something, um, but it's us getting to go together and be a part of it together. We get to join with one another in the mission. So it's not just silo missions going off here and here and here and here and here, but we're doing something together. And much like we symbolize on Sunday morning when we decide to leave our individual homes, leave our individual places that we live and and drive in our vehicles or walk to church and we come into this place, we come together for a reason. Because we're on mission together. We're going somewhere. We're doing something. And we need to take that time to refocus. Because the mission is dangerous. And the mission is hard. And sometimes we're carrying 135 pounds with us in the hot scorching sun and it doesn't feel like you really want to keep going anymore. You're kind of done at this point. And, and as much as you say, yeah, the mission from God, I get it. We're on a mission with God. It's awesome. We use all these good Christian words, but those don't mask the pain and the frustration and the hurt and the tiredness. That's real. That exists. It's with us. So we need to come together. God created us to come together for a reason because he knows it's what we need to carry the burdens of one another. See, the U.S. Army sends soldiers out on mission all the time and and one of the symbols of the U.S. Army for a long, long time has been Uncle Sam. You think of that Uncle Sam poster, right? He says, I want you to join the U.S. Army. And and this concept of Uncle Sam developed um, probably around the 1812 war. Um, and that was the, the second war um, against the British. And what was happening was um, this, probably a local farmer, um, was selling beef to the U.S. Army. And every crate that came in from Sam was his name. Um, every crate that came in from Sam was stamped U.S. And for some reason, they just really appreciated this guy because of, probably because he was feeding them. And they were probably starving. And so he somehow became like the symbol for the U.S. Army. Um, in the military altogether. And so there was an act of Congress and they officially named him the symbol of the U.S. Army and all this kind of stuff. Um, But this idea of Uncle Sam, although he was a real person at one point in time, he's more of a symbol and a figurehead. And so when Uncle Sam sends you out on a mission, Uncle Sam don't go with you. You go by yourself. And so you might have your brothers with you or sisters. You might be in a Jake and Elwood kind of situation. But Uncle Sam... He's not going with you. Because Uncle Sam isn't real. He doesn't have the power to go with you. He doesn't have the ability to go with you. But when we talk about going on mission with God, there's a couple things that come out of that. And this with concept, with God and with others. When we're on mission with God, first thing, God walks into battle with us. Side by side. He doesn't stay back in the headquarters where it's safe and secure. He doesn't hide back in Washington, D.C., where he doesn't get touched by the bullets. He walks into the midst of the battle, the midst of the heat, the midst of the muck, the junk that you're stepping in. Sidebar, um, we don't usually use them anymore, but but back in older wars, um, when it was a lot of 
front-to-front, man-to-man kind of battles, they developed trenches. And those trenches um, often came from both sides, and in the middle there was what they referred to as no man's land. And in no man's land, it was a place for no man to go because if you went out there, you were going to get killed. Um, And so you stayed in your trenches, and you tried to somehow move forward, but oftentimes it just stalemated. Nobody could get, get any ground. And those trenches that were built, there was not any place to go when you needed to go. So you went where you were at, if you're getting what I'm saying. A big way general, a, a, a hotshot leader isn't going to want to step down in the stuff. But God steps down into the stuff with us. He doesn't care if it's yours or somebody else's. He's going to jump right in there, and he's going to get all comfortable, get all warm, wrap you in a hug, because that's what God does. That's who God is. And when we're on mission with God and with others, that with others builds trust, it builds friendship, and it builds reliance on one another. I said it earlier, when soldiers go out on deployment, and they're on a mission, and they're, they're advancing towards an enemy— They've got their plan, they've rehearsed it, they've done all this stuff, they've packed their stuff how they need to, and they're going out on their mission. And it gets long and it gets tiring, and, and eventually they decide we need to take a rest and we need to sleep for a minute. We need to just lay down and, and get 30 minutes of sleep because we're all exhausted. Well, somebody's got to stay up because you're in the middle of enemy territory. You don't know where the enemy might come from. Somebody has to stay alert, somebody has to stay awake, somebody has to be guard. And you better believe if you're trusting somebody to stay awake for you when you're dog tired and you know they're dog tired, that builds trust. That's reliance on somebody else. Because you are asking them to make sure you get to go home. If they shirk their responsibility, they don't do their job, they decide I'm too tired, I'm going to take a nap, nobody's going to find out. You're asking a lot of them. Being on mission with people builds trust, it builds friendship, and it builds reliance. There's a reason VFW halls and American legions exist. It's because combat veterans, veterans of all shapes, shapes, shapes and colors, doesn't matter if you're Army, Marines, Air Force, Navy, whatever, Coast Guard, they want to get together because there's been something that's been built over that shared experience over the course of their lives. And, and even more than that, I remember my grandpa talking about getting together with the unit he was deployed with regularly. Every year they got together somewhere. And they'd kind of talk and they'd communicate and they'd figure out where they were going to get together. And so they'd get together in different places in the country because everybody's all spread out. And that was the highlight of one of, of his year, was getting to get together with these guys that he deployed with in Korea. He saw all this stuff. He experienced all this stuff. But he builds so much trust and friendship and reliance in these people. These people were some of the closest people he he had in his life. And they didn't live anywhere close to him. He didn't hang out with them every week. But there was something that was built and shared. Being on mission together is better. Here's where, the, where it kind of becomes difficult for us, though. 
building trust and friendship and reliance don't come easy for a lot of us. We're hardworking people. We like to do it ourselves, right? So trusting somebody else to do it, well, they might not do quite as good of a job as me, so I'll just do it myself, right? That's how a lot of us do it. I mean, I'm guilty of that sometimes. I try not to be, but it happens. You know, you, you feel like I, I know what I want. I, I, I have my vision. I have my goal, my, my inspiration. So I'm not going to ask somebody else to do it. I'm just going to do it myself. The problem is, is that isn't how we were intended to work. That isn't how we were intended to be on mission. God never intended for us to do it ourselves. He intended for us to do it with other people. And that brings us to our first passage here. The Acts 1.8. And it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Quite simply, this is a mission for all you guys. He didn't single out Peter or James or John. This is a mission for all you guys. And maybe even, even more um, evident than that is some of our passage that we see in the Old Testament. Some of the stuff that the children of Israel went through a lot of stuff as they were uh, developing their calling from God. And as God placed in them a promise, they lost their way a lot of times. And we see in Exodus 33, 14, in this passage, uh, the children of Israel had come out of Egypt, come out of slavery, and Moses had gone up on the mountaintop and he'd received the Ten Commandments from God. The laws that the children of Israel were supposed to live by. And God had promised them a land to go to. And God had given them all these, these promises and hopes and aspirations, and he'd done stuff already. And so Moses comes down off the mountain and finds out that they've decided that they're too tired to wait on God any longer. They're going to build for themselves a golden calf because God's taken too, too long to, to come through with his promises. So we're going to do it ourselves. And uh, by doing it ourselves, um, they kind of upset God a little bit. God said, I promised you. I promised you. And I've been doing stuff. I got you guys out of slavery. I brought you out of Egypt. I parted the Red Sea so that you could walk through on dry land and then closed the sea on the Egyptian chariots and, and soldiers that were chasing after you to bring you back to slavery. And so Moses has this conversation with God and God says, here's the deal, Moses. You, you've been my appointed leader and, and I'm going to come through on my promise. I'm still going to make sure you guys get to go to the promised land. You guys will get to go to the promised land. It's flowing with milk and honey. It's going to be great for you. Um, all this kind of stuff. But I'm not going with you. Um, because if I go with you, I'm going to hurt these guys. Um, they've angered me. I'm frustrated. And, and, and I can't deal with it. And, and so Moses comes back to God and says, God, I, I get it. Um, they did some, some dumb stuff. Um, they should have been faithful to you. Like you've been faithful to them. But I know that you're a God of second chances. And I know that you're a God that forgives. And I know that you're a God that loves boundlessly. He says, but here's the thing, God. This is Moses talking to God. He says, it's great that you want to send us to the promised land. But if you don't go with us, don't send us. Let us stay here in the desert. Because there's not going to be anything more for us in the promised land than there is here if you're not a part of it. If you don't go with us, don't send us. 
And so God's response is simply, the Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. God relented of his anger and said, you know what, Moses, you're right. I am the God of second chances. I am the God that loves boundlessly. I'm going to go with you. And then the last one we're looking at here is Deuteronomy 31, 6 and 8. And this was a little bit later on in the story. Moses has come to the time where he's about to end in his leadership role. And in the last several years, he's been mentoring and teaching a man named Joshua. And Joshua is to take over for Moses as Moses retires from his position of leadership. And so Moses decides he needs to um, address the people about Joshua, and he needs to address Joshua. Um, let him know kind of what's up, um, where they're at in the story, and how God's going to be through with, or get through with them. So next, or sorry, Deuteronomy chapter 31, verses 6, and eight, six through 8 says, Be strong and courageous. This is Moses talking to the Israelites. Kind of a big gathering. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, the enemy, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. It says, Then Moses summoned Joshua and said to him in the presence of all Israel, Be strong and courageous. And it goes on to verse 8. Now Joshua, he's talking to Joshua. He says, The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. We're on a mission with God. It means we're together, and it means God is with us in it. That gives us power. That gives us strength. That gives us the courage to build that unity and that friendship and that reliance on one another when there's no earthly reason that makes sense to do that. When somebody's burned you too many times to give them a little bit more trust. God being with us changes that. The power of God, the power of Christ through redemption and forgiveness. See, here's the thing about forgiveness. We, we get this wrong sometimes, and, and I'm guilty of it. We think forgiveness means that the error didn't exist. That the error somehow didn't happen now because we've forgiven it. That's not the case. That's not biblical forgiveness. Forgiveness doesn't mean the error didn't exist. But what it does mean is that you've taken the power away from Satan to control that situation, to manipulate that situation, to have power over you and whoever else is involved in that situation. And you've given it over to Christ to redeem, to forgive, to heal. That's forgiveness. And that's what builds trust and reliance on one another. See, the army is an organization all about systems. Um, even when we develop a plan, we have a whole, we have an acronym that we use for it. We call it MDMP, Military Decision Making Process. Real creative, I know. Um, and I won't bore you with the details of it because it's extremely boring and it gets extremely in the weeds and gets just nitty-gritty planning the details of every little aspect of it. Um, but when it comes down to it, the point of that is when you're developing a, a plan for full-spectrum operations, meaning everybody's hands are on deck, everybody's involved in it, you've got to have everybody come to the table at some point and make sure we've got stuff figured out. 
Because it's not just the infantrymen who are on the front lines that we need to be worried about. Because eventually those guys on the front lines are going to run out of food. What do we do when they run out of food? Well, we need to make sure that the cooks know to make more food. And how do we get that food to them? Well, we need to make sure that the trucks know to pick up the food from these guys and to get them to these guys. But how do we even know that they ran out of food? We need to make sure that they have walkie-talkies, communication, radio. So there's got to be somebody who's manning the radios. Make sure that these guys can talk to these guys so that these guys know that these guys need to come pick these guys up and get that stuff over there. Right? Full spectrum. It's multifaceted, lots of planning, lots of preparation. And in all of that, two things come out of our planning process. We have what we call collective tasks and we have individual tasks. And those collective tasks are the stuff that we're all doing together, right? That makes sense, collective. And the individual tasks are the stuff that you need to do to make sure this mission gets accomplished. What do we need from you to make sure we have the information we need, to make sure we have the detail and the data that we need to plan accordingly? So the commander of the infantry guys, we need to know how many guys you have. What's your number? Because we're making meals for them, so we need to know how many mouths we're feeding. Right? Makes sense. And here's the thing about these individual tasks, and this is where um, it goes against this grain of, of do it yourself and hold all the cards to yourself and don't let anybody see what you're doing. Um, because this, this idea of individual tasks, they're not private. It's in the document. It's in the order for everybody to see. Not only everybody who's doing this mission, but these are documents that are saved and archived for as long as the United States government exists. So from now until whenever this country no longer exists, Everybody will know that private so-and-so was supposed to do this for this mission. And you better believe that if that goes awry in that mission, as the history books write the details, we know whose fault it was. Because so-and-so didn't live up to it. But it's not about pointing blame, and it's not about pointing the finger. What it's really about is making sure that we can come alongside one another and make sure we help each other accomplish what we need to accomplish. There's innate accountability in these individual tasks. Because... We all rely on that information coming in. We all rely on the individual doing his part or her part. And if they don't do their part, then it's hard for me to do my part. And if I can't do my part, then it's hard for these guys to do their part. It has to be together. There's unity that's embedded into it. It can't be siloed. It can't be individual. And sometimes you've got to break down barriers and boundaries because sometimes... Uh, different groups of people don't know how to communicate to different groups of people. Engineers don't always know how to talk to infantry guys because engineers think about numbers. They think about data and numbers. And infantry guys think, man, I'm just going to kick down that door and I'm going to do what I need to do. But we need to communicate because we all are needed in that mission. All play a role in that mission. Once the plan is finalized, once we've kind of gone through these details, we've gotten individual tasks complete, and, and we're focused on the collective tasks, we begin to rehearse. Does this plan make sense? Do I really know what I need to know from so-and-so? Do I really know that I can trust so-and-so to be here at this time, to pick me up? If we're going somewhere to, to get a prisoner busted out, I need to know that the helicopters are going to be in the air and ready to pick us up at this time. So we rehearse it, and we plan it out, and then you actually go on the mission. 
And it's all about the collective. We're on it together, shoulder to shoulder, carrying each other's burden, carrying the weight for one another, making sure that, man, private so-and-so, he's, he's struggling over here. I don't know what's going on, um, but, but maybe I need to have a conversation with him. We make sure that we're all on the mission together. And we do that consistently throughout it. So now that we're out on mission, um, like I said, I've, I've learned stuff about mission over my time in the military. Um, and I learned some stuff about preparing for mission. And I've learned some stuff about what do you do when you're on mission. Um, inevitably, undoubtedly, at some point along the mission, something's going to change. There's going to be more bad guys than you thought. There's going to be a river in the way of where you were trying to go. There's going to be something that comes up and messes up the plan. So you have to adapt to the circumstances. You have to adapt to the new information as it comes in. And you've got to stay connected to one another to make sure that that communication is carried out to one another. So you change plans. You continue to rehearse. And you keep the end goal in mind. You don't lose focus of where you're going just because other stuff comes up along the way. Just because now all of a sudden uh, I didn't quite have the information that I was supposed to have from so-and-so and so now I don't know if I can trust them. Because somebody was supposed to tell us there was a river there and they didn't tell us there was a river there. And now what are we supposed to do? Well, let's figure it out together. Because you're not going to get anywhere by pointing fingers and saying who was to blame for that? Who was wrong for that? Because now we're standing in the middle of who knows where waiting for an answer to who knows what and we're not doing anything and we're losing focus of the end goal because we're too busy pointing fingers. We must rely on one another to watch our back and to keep each other focused. And one of the other things that, that we always say in the army anyway um, in everything we do, live the army values. The values that we adhere to. That, that everybody who puts on this uniform, you agree that these are values that you believe in and you uphold and you live by. We're living the army values. Well, guess what? Walpock Nance has values too. And the cool thing about Walpock Nance's values is they aren't just this building's values. They're biblical values. They're, they're stuff that's rooted in the scripture. This is God's values. These are the things that God cares about. And so when you're out on mission and you're keeping the end goal in mind, you're staying focused, you're watching each other's backs, you're building trust, you're building friendship, you're building reliance on one another, you're keeping these in mind. Man, do I need to give somebody a second chance? They were supposed to tell me there's a river there and they blew it. And now we're making other plans. But you know what? I say I believe in these values. I think it's time to give a second chance. We say we believe in unconditional love. Maybe there's a place where, man, maybe I haven't been unconditional in that love. Maybe I've been mostly unconditional. Just a few, I, I just have a couple things. That, I mean, just one or two. I mean, otherwise I'm unconditional. 
Just the one or two things. I mean, that's it. That's, that's reasonable, right? Unconditional. Those are the values of God. So when you're out on mission and you're building that relationship, remember the values that you say you believe in and you say you live by. Are these your values? So here's the question for today. Are these values, well, let me say it this way. Do you have a hang-up on one of those values? Is there somebody in this room that your relationship with them, there's kind of a, a snag there in one of those values? If somebody were to look at your relationship objectively and they could say, I don't know if there's unconditional love there. I don't know about second chances. Said at the beginning, we're better prepared for missions together, and missions are better together. But if we can't trust and rely on one another, it threatens the whole mission, it threatens the whole point. Just like Moses said, God, if you don't go with us, don't send us. If we don't adhere, to the principles that God has asked us to adhere by. There's no point in the things we accomplish. There's no value to them. Maybe somebody's wronged you in this room. They've hurt you one too many times. And you've decided, I just can't, I can't extend that grace anymore. Or maybe they hurt you. Or I'm sorry, maybe you hurt them. Um, and, And you're just not ready to admit that you were wrong there. Because you were right, okay? You were right, good for you. What does that accomplish? Does it accomplish one of these values? Being right's not up there, by the way, in case you don't see it. Being right's not up there. And I like being right. Um, My wife tells me that all the time. Maybe there's somebody that you need to have a conversation with right after this service. If there's somebody in this room that somebody could look at your relationship with them and say, that's not lived out. All those are not lived out in that relationship. You need to have a conversation. Take them out to lunch. Talk about it. Stop letting Satan have control of that situation and let God redeem that situation. It's not easy. It's not fun. Missions are hard sometimes, but you build a relationship with people that no matter of distance and life circumstances can separate when you do it well together. God has asked us to be on mission. And by virtue of you being here, he's asked for you to be on mission with us in some way. We're on a mission together. We need to know we can trust one another. Will you stand for the benediction? Almighty God, who has called us and asked us to do a wonderful thing. You've you've set in motion your plan, your mission, your goal. And the coolest thing about it is that you don't need us to accomplish that, but you want us to be a part of that. You long for us to be part of the mission. And so, Almighty God, I ask today that you help us to find the places where 
we might be putting the mission somewhat in jeopardy. We might be putting roadblocks along the way of the mission. And God, if there's relationships in this room that need healing and need mending, may we have the courage to step forward. Whether you were right or wrong, whether we were the guilty party or the injured party, may we be willing to step forward and begin to seek that healing process. Because you have a mission for Wapak Naz. It's, it's embodied in our mission statement, love people, loving people to Jesus. And the most important thing is that we, our relationships, the things we do together, do not block people from Jesus. So help us to clear the pathway, to clear the cobwebs, clear the mess, clear any distractions along the way from a straight shot to Jesus. God, we asked you to do it because we know you can do it. And we know you have done it. Be with us today. Give us the strength and the courage. In Christ's holy name. Amen.